0: So tune in to Black Cyber, the number one, the number one podcast to jumpstart, sustain, and catapult African Americans' career in a cybersecurity. Black Cyber, securing our place in the industry. What's up everybody? This is the Black Cyber Podcast, and I'm your host, George McPherson. Today we have with us this guy's a certified CEH, CHFI, he holds a master's degree in cybersecurity, he's the cyberary master instructor, he's the host of the CyberLife podcast. He's also the twenty nineteen SC Media Reboot Leadership Award for Outstanding Educator. And he has probably trained over five million cybersecurity students around the world. Today's guest is none other than Ken Underhill. Welcome, Ken.
1: Thanks, Georgia. First, uh, thanks for having me on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So um, I know I'm in uh, Charlotte, and you're in Houston, correct? Correct. Yep. Yeah, so I know I kind of got you up early this morning, but uh, definitely.
1: <laughs> who who sleeps, George? Come on, we're we're in cybersecurity, security, man. Nobody.
0: Sleeps. Hey, just- <laughs> we never stop the hustle, but it, I think with everything going on right now, we might all it might be taking a toll, but we keep going, right?
1: <laughs> That's right, man.
0: Yeah, um, I, I think
1: with uh, with everything going on, it's definitely a little more job security for everybody.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: The the criminal attackers certainly haven't taken any breaks.
0: No. I think they're working overtime at this point.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they are, man.
0: (laughs) Uh, Ken, let's get into, um, I want to talk to you about the blueprint of a successful, successfully studying for security certifications. Okay. And and I want to, go ahead.
1: I uh, say, so go, go ahead, man. Go ahead.
0: What do you think the uh, the uh, best tactic is for studying? For what advice do you have to new students coming in, and they want to, you know, kind of get their foot in the door, and they're starting to look at uh, IT security certifications, and maybe picking it, and and what's a good kind of study plan to kind of get started?
1: Sure. Uh, so I say as far as picking them, George, I normally tell people like, look at the places you want to work and see what certs they want, right? Because I get, I actually get a lot of people that want to break into the, the infosec industry and they all want to get the CEH certification or they want to get OSCP or something like that. And there's there's nothing wrong with that, but if you're entry level, it's going to be a red flag for most hiring managers. They're going to say, well, why did you get this like a more advanced certification and not like security plus, right? Or why didn't you go get experience before you got this certification? So that's one of the things I see people doing a lot. So just look at the employers that you want to work at and see what they're asking for. And that should really guide which certifications you're choosing, uh, at least initially. Right. Um, As far as, as far as uh, how do you study or what's the best way to study? There's several components to that. The number one, Component, in my opinion, being that you need to plan things out and you do need to plan it realistically. Like you shouldn't say, okay, well, Saturday night I'm going to do all my study. And that's not realistic for most people, right? Maybe that's yeah. the only time you have. But what I found is best is I do a little bit each day or every couple of days when I'm studying for a cert. And that allows me to actually have a life. Uh, and do other things, you know, (laughs) which which is somewhat critical. Uh, And, you know, especially if you have a spouse, they enjoy that. Uh, So, yes, definitely. uh, So, so just planning it out, planning it out to to kind of map uh, to your life is one of the best things. Now, with that being said, you also need to look at the objectives for that cert. So some certifications will almost make you be like a jack of all trades. So like the CEH, for example, like they've got a ton of learning objectives, but when you, when you take the actual exam, it's like, four things that you really have to know. Right. And, and, and sometimes the questions repeat, but I didn't say that. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, but you just need to understand that the learning objectives that are stated in in an exam are pretty broad for the most part across many, many certifications. Right. Um, and so, look at those as like, okay, I need to kind of know these things at a high level, and then try to analyze what are the most important things in this search, right? So somebody that gets this certification and has passed it successfully, what are the actual things they need to know, right? So as, as an example with the CEH, uh, it's not a hands-on exam. They do have a practical, but the one I took is just the, the test. And so- with that, when I was studying for it, I looked at it and I said, okay, well, what does a pen tester actually need to know that they're covering in this particular cert exam, right? And really, it's just things like the methodology, understanding the different tools a little more in depth, especially things like NMAP. And the rest of it's kind of common sense or that you could learn a bit about malware and stuff and, and understand that. So I focused most of my studies on uh, web attacks and NMAP, right? And gotcha. when I went into the exam... You know, again, I can't tell you what's on the exam, but when I took the exam, those were some of the kind of the major things that I had seen on the exam, aside from things like malware, which I, I already knew that and phishing attacks and et cetera. So, so when you're studying for an exam, first thing I would do, look at the learning objectives, try to figure out like, okay, which ones are probably the most important here. And I also would suggest talking to people that have passed that exam, say, Hey, when you took it, I know you can't tell me what's on it. But of these learning objectives, which ones do you kind of see that were like the most important to focus on, right? Just kind of put the question like that. And people normally answer that for you. Um, the other thing is I see a lot of people, well, at least in the past, maybe not so much recently, but in the past, people pigeonhole themselves. And what I mean by that, George, is they think that because they're in a college degree program or that they're getting the official study materials from the certification vendor, that that's all they need to do. And yeah, the exactly. reality is you're going to have to use other resources because any, I mean, if you're working out there and doing something in the industry, like nobody knows everything, right? So you're going to Google something, you're going to text your buddy that works at the other company and say, Hey, how do you do this again? I mean, there's, you're going to reach out to those resources that you have available to you. And you're not just going to use one thing and say, Oh, this is the holy thing right here. And this is the only way it's done. So do the same thing with your short exam uh, prep you need to use multiple sources because you might learn just one thing in that other book or that other course that actually helps you pass the exam. You know, that might be the difference between passing and failing the exam.
0: Good, good advice, Ken. Um, and going back to your point about the knowing what certifications to start with, like you said, it's, it's um and I, I, I kind of try to lead people towards uh, security plus cause it's like, I've seen people try to go for the higher certifications coming in the door like a CISSP or like you say, (laughs) OSCP, like it's like, okay. sometimes I've seen that work out. These are some super talented people and super aggressive, but that's really not the best way to approach that. It's like building a house. I mean, if, if you build a house and you start with the siding and the roof and you didn't start with the concrete, the base at the bottom you're not building a good foundation. And mm-hmm. I think that's what a lot of people coming in the industry got to understand. It's like, you got to get those fundamental concepts and kind of build, you'll get there, but you have to start with those fundamental uh, concepts. And I think the Ceh uh, I call it the, I call it the security plus of uh, pen testing because it gives <laughs> yeah, you that yeah. fundamental level of that red team side, but I actually think it's a good overall um, certification um far as like coming into the industry. So I kind of recommend CEH. I recommend Security Plus. Uh, but that's that's definitely good advice that you gave on kind of, as you study, like you say, you make a plan, you break it down where it's not overwhelming. And like you said, if you have a family, you, you got to be respectful of your family. Uh, if you want to have a happy home life. <laughs> so kind of break it down. Yeah. Kind of break it down and uh structure. And like you said, we, we never learn any, everything It's like, you always Googling something You use your coworkers. Like you said, you use friends in the industry that you, you may text them and ask them a question. Like you have to use your resources and also with the studying, like you said, using multiple resources. I mean, if you use one resource and, and you go into an exam like that, that's, that's kind of setting yourself up for failure. Like yeah. if you use mul- multiple resources, you can kind of compare. Um, Ken, on on that note, so I want to talk about um, Cyberry's mission. I've used <laughs> Cyberry since 2015, and I know you're you're very big on the Cyberry side. Can can you explain Cyberry's mission these days when it comes to certifications and uh, kind of training up? Professionals
1: yeah, so kind of the overarching goal of cyber is to close the skills gap and the employment gap right you know and and you strive for that and nothing will ever be a hundred percent right but but since there are so many jobs being advertised as being available and so many people I mean I get hundreds of people. A week that reach out via like LinkedIn, saying, "Hey, I, I'm trying to find my first job." Right, and obviously, if there's so many openings and these, we got so many people looking for jobs, why aren't they meshing up? Right, so that's kind of Cyber's overarching thing is to empower people to get the skills that they need to actually go get these jobs. Um, there's a term that's been around for a few years now uh, called security enablement. So basically, given uh, baking, essentially baking security into any part of the organization. So let's say I work in accounting, I need to actually understand, you know, it's not just a, a segmented thing like, okay, that's a security team. That's the IT team. That's the accounting team. If I'm an accountant, I need to understand how security bakes into what I do in my day to day, because I'm probably the person that's going to click that phishing email and it's not going to be George. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's just reality. So if the user base, and I've seen this actually, when I worked in healthcare um, as a practitioner, when I, educated the nursing staff and like showed them like how that impacted them. If they clicked on an email and there was ransomware or they left their computer unlocked or they let people see the patient information. Like when I talk through the scenarios of like how that actually applied to them, all of a sudden the security practice has changed, right? People were very paranoid about clicking emails. And in fact, when a new CEO came on board and sent like a welcome email, uh, everyone sent it to me like, oh my God, is this a hacker? Right? You know, <laughs> yep. So, yep. so it's that's just, it, we just have to bake that in across the organization. So that's kind of the, the primary um, focus of Cyber is is number one, closing the skills gap. And number two, baking security across every part of the organization. Now that's all done with, the on demand education, right? So the, I can learn anytime I can do hands on labs anytime. And we're seeing that right now with the coronavirus stuff going on, that that's actually what people need, right? Nobody's showing up in person to a class anymore because you can't, right? We've, most oh, yeah. people have bands yeah. around the country and stuff or around the world. So they can't actually go out and sit for essentials. And so with that being said, that Cyber has been one of the leaders in that space, especially in the on-demand space, for um, a number of years. You mentioned way back in 2015. I found them in 2017, I think it was. I was in my graduate program um, gotcha. okay. in, 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 in studying for the CEH, right? And, and someone mentioned Cyber. I'm like, oh, what's that? You know? So I went and checked it out. <laughs> uh, and sort of just kind of backing up a little bit, sort of how I got involved with them is uh, once I finished my master's, I wanted to give back. And so I applied to be an instructor there. Um, it took several months to hear back and, and I didn't really, they were going through some trash transition or whatever. Um, I just thought I was like, Oh, I guess I'm not, you know, as cool as George or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so eventually I, uh, they invited me to uh, create a course and, you know, of course the rest is history. Right. So, um, so that's kind of the, the overall focus of Cyber. E is, you know, like I said, number one, closing the skills gap, and then number two, uh, security enablement to empower the organization to have security baked in across the board. Now, something else um, that they they may try to eventually work on is also trying to help, like, cl- close to the, the connection for jobs, right? So, for example, there's all these jobs out there. There's all these people that want the jobs. so the, why not, you know, kind of figure out how to close that as well so so that that might be something as well coming down the line in the future with Cyber that that might be a focus as well so just kind of speculating there. not sure 100 100 on something like that but it just kind of makes sense that that might be a thing they do as well
0: okay uh ken i, I think it's a lot of us out there that uh that are really glad that you uh found Cyberry and they actually sent the email back that you <laughs> yeah. on board yeah Um, this is kind of a selfish question. Um, talk a little bit, uh, and I've been curious about this certification and I'm, I'm back and forth on whether to kind of dive into it. Uh, can you talk about the CHFI and like possible benefits where it could benefit you in your cybersecurity career?
1: Sure. Uh, so the CHFI for those out there that don't know, it's the computer hacking forensic investigator, uh, exam from EC council. So basically for forensic investigators, um, I don't uh, and actually it's funny you asked that George because I actually had someone like yesterday reach out to me they were planning to, to study and take that but they had an option to swap it out for something else like CCNA um, and okay. uh, and for those out there that don't know that that's a Cisco Certified Network Associate so my perspective on CHFI the only reason I did it was cuz it was required for my master's program um, most that's, of the forensic yep, investigators I know most of the forensic investigators I know most of the different people I know don't have that cert and they don't go for it. Um, I I think it's, I think the cert's beneficial in the aspect of it kind of gives you a very, 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 and I said that three times for a reason, very high level overview of forensics kind of touches on a lot of different things. There's a lot of content um, that you have to study for that exam. And the, the only, you know, sort of the issue I would have with it, I guess is number one, I, I don't actually see the ROI you know, in the industry of getting that, you know, unless your employer requires it or something. Um, And I also, it doesn't dive deep enough into the, the sort of the hands-on of forensics, which is the critical part, right? It's really a theory type of exam. So, so unless you, this is just my opinion, but unless you have it required for your degree, have it required from an employer, or you have the finances available that you just are kind of like, I want to collect another cert, I don't recommend that particular certification, right? Because you honestly Gosh. could just buy some books on forensics and learn more um, than you would yep. taking that exam. So that's kind of my my personal opinion on it, my perspective on it. Um, the reason I created content on it after I passed that certification is because at that time in the Western Governors Master's Program, which is the, the program I went in, Um, Most people were failing that exam, they were on their third or fourth attempt, and that really meant that they couldn't graduate. Uh, And so myself and another gentleman, uh, Rob Rout, sort of collaborated a little bit, and Rob had some notes, I had some notes, we kind of put them together, Um, and initially I created like a practice exam for people to use. And with those notes, with those practice tests, uh, people were able to go, literally within like 30 days these people that were failing all the time on the exam and I failed it the first time, right? Um, so did Rob, yes. I think. Uh, and so all these people were failing and not be basically preventing them from graduating with their, their degree. Uh, and so within like 30 days, that changed around, uh, almost completely. There were still some people, people that failed like the first time, but most people were passing the first time. Uh, and then when I came on board with Cyber, I created a, uh, it's called computer hacking and forensics, but basically it it will cover a good amount of the stuff you might need to know for the CHFI exam. So if you're looking on the Cyberry site and you're looking for CHFI prep, you won't probably find, I don't think you'll find it with the keyword search, but just look for forensics and it, and it's called computer hacking forensics. Um, and that will actually help you prep for the CHFI. But that was kind of the reason why I created content around it was only to help those people that were failing the exam the first time, because I was there, right? I was that guy that failed to buy, I think I failed out by like one or two questions. The first time because I changed a bunch of answers, and so sure. I knew yeah. what it, I knew what it felt like, you know, to to, to fail, um, and so I wanted to make sure that that changed for everyone else. Um, so, just kind of summarizing all that, I I don't recommend the exam in my personal opinion unless you have it required for a degree or your employer requires it, or you just want to spend some money. Um, there's other way. There's there's lower cost ways to do that, and, and then just kind of summarizing uh, one point that I just uh, sort of alluded to there that's another helpful tip for certification exams. Don't change your answers <laughs> unless you're a hundred percent certain that the, the answer you chose the first time <laughs> is wrong. Uh, yeah.
0: Uh, I caught so, that when you said it, I was like, Ooh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I, I did that with a CHFI and the second time I took it, I was like, if I can't argue with myself enough to say this is actually wrong, then I'm just going to leave it alone. And then I passed it the second time without any problems. So, so that's another nice, tip. On. Nice.
0: Oh Yeah. Uh, Ken, I want to take this time to give you a huge shout out for what you do on the LinkedIn community and the uh, surrounding Houston community. And and what I want to say about that is. Um, I. I just feel that. I mean, if you look at your your background and what you do now, you're a huge success. Um, but what I found. But what I like is that you're very humble and you, you always help people. You kind of connect people on LinkedIn. Um, you're always uh, a positive light when it comes to the community. You're always helping people in the community. Uh, I've seen some of your posts in the Houston community as far as like meetups and doing different things. I just I just wanted to take this time to give you a big shout out about that. No,
1: I, I definitely. Uh, thanks, you know, thanks uh Kind of giving that shout out and, and feedback and stuff, um, you know. he he's, I mean, I, he's you like he don't know how to people... take the
0: compliment. He's very humble.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's like this, right? Like we've all gone through challenges in life, you know, and some of us a little more than others. I had you know significant adversity growing up, and one of the things I learned is that people that truly. Are sort of, I guess, the definition of successful uh, because I I was fortunate at a, at a younger age to encounter people that had very very high levels of financial success. Um, even when I was, I mean, I was broke and you know creditors calling and all this you know crap, uh, and and I yeah. ran into these people and and you know they were always extremely humble. Uh, and so that's something that, that I, the, one of the lessons I took from them, you know, most people would have focused on the, the money they had or something, but for me, it was like, okay, well, this person has, you know, essentially what, what I strive to be, what's like, what what do they have? And, and I think when you go through, um, I've, I've got a friend, Mark Davenport, and he always talks a lot about uh, how Mr. Adversity is his friend, right? You know, because when you go through adversity, it just makes you stronger, makes you understand things at a, at a bigger level. Uh, where if you're kind of, if you, if you never really face adversity, you just think the, the world essentially is this lovely cloud of, you know, fluffy place or whatever, right. With sprinkles on the ice cream and all that. It's, but it's not right. When you've gone through some adversity, you realize like, okay, well, I've got an opportunity here to really impact lives. Um, and so just kind of, I'll just kind of touch on a little bit some of the feedback I've gotten over the years, George. Um, if I may, um, so go ahead. Yeah. with, with like the online courses, and this is, um, this is pre-cyber. I've had a lot from cyber as well, but pre-cyber is some of the feedback. I had a health course, uh, years ago I put up, it was actually one of my first courses I ever put online. It was, it was terrible, man. Um, <laughs> but in and people were not hesitant to let me know uh in the feedback and stuff now i was i was literally at the point of i was just so frustrated with all the negative feedback right because i don't normally want to hang i don't hang around negative people i just immediately when someone's negative exactly. i just kind of cut them out right you just have yep. to um and so i was literally at the point of taking this course down and i logged in to to take it down and i had a message from a student and the student shared a story with me and and um I won't say his name, uh, but he was outside the U S and basically he had um, a liver transplant and, the doctor said basically, with the new liver, he was like rejected and stuff. And so they were like, "You got about six oh, months uh, to live, and you're going to be dead, right?" It's probably less than six months, and you're going to you're going to be dead. Um, and so, and so this man shows in the in the hospital, he's like, "I'm going to live, right? I want to see my kid graduate high school." And so, exactly. he was searching the internet. You know, there's just so much health information, at, you know, out there. And so he was getting frustrated, and then he just he did like one more search, happened to find my course on this on this other platform. And took it. And then he, it was just a basic course, man. It was vitamins, minerals, amino acids, you know, just what's food yeah. you need, that sort of stuff. Just common sense to me, but for some people, they don't understand that stuff. And so he, he went and he applied like the dietary things the stuff I had said to change. And so he reached out six months later, right? Cause that's when he was supposed to be dead. Right. And so he reached out sent me oh. a message. Just, he said, look, man, I just, I was able to just walk, see my son walk across stage. His graduation. So I just want to reach out and say thank you. Um so I left that course up, obviously, right? You know, I'm like, you know, oh man, wow. Well, because yeah. at that point, right, that that kind of tells you like somebody's watching it, you don't always know the people, and this kind of go to what you said about hey, you're helping people and stuff. You don't always see the impact you're having, but you are having an impact on people's lives. And you're probably gonna when you hear the feedback, <clears throat> excuse me, uh you're probably only going to get like zero 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 point one percent of people giving you that feedback right? Yeah. A lot yeah. of people impacted. So just keep, when you get the haters out there, just keep going because honestly the trolls on the internet don't pay your bills, right? Exactly. People are yeah. helping do, and so just keep doing what you're doing. That's kind of the whole message from all that. Besides, I was trying to make George cry for everybody, but it didn't
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me get myself together. But hey, uh, Ken, wow, that's that story too. That's, like you said, you, you never know, like and I think we all go through that when you're trying to do something good and you have some self-doubt about what you're doing. Like you said, to actually hear somebody come back and say that, and you was like, you literally saved someone's life. So is wow.
1: Exactly. You know, it's it's kind of that reality check, right? Like you're you're so focused on yourself, right? Like I was so focused on myself, like oh, these people are being mean, you know, boohoo, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, let me take this down, and uh, and then out of nowhere, you know, here comes this message to say, no, you need to keep going. Cause honestly, George, if I had quit building online courses at, at that time of my life, I never would have gone moved into creating courses in, in the industry, in the infosec industry. And just imagine how many people wouldn't have been helped well, because yeah. I became selfish. Right. You know, so, so the being the humble, it's really just more about understanding, that it's not about you there's a bigger purpose that you have right you know I, t- I i talk a lot in the houston community about about your purpose and i think that a lot of times we get it in our own way Where we think we get so much in our head of like, oh, I can't do this. Oh, the boss is being mean or, um, you know, I'm dealing with, uh, for example, we'll just say use the gym as an example, right? Because, I mean, I deal with weirdos at the gym, right? People stare at me all the time, (laughs) which is why I have a home gym, right? (laughs) Because I'm like, you know, sometimes you don't feel like that stuff, right? Yeah. Come on, man. I'm just trying to work out, you weirdo. Uh, you know, you, you know those ones probably like they walk around trying to talk to everybody, and and I, I always feel sorry. I get so many stories from women in the industry that just want to work out, right? With these creepy dudes who are coming around and bothering them and stuff at the gym. I'm like, you wouldn't have that problem if you work out with me because I I'm <laughs> confrontational. Uh, so I I call people out on their stuff, right? You know, part of that, you know, that's the military background, right? Like,
0: oh know, yeah, definitely, you know, we're protectors.
1: Yeah, it is what it is. You know, if you want to be creepy, I'll call you out, you know, and then you'll go away. <laughs> Most of them go away when you start like, why are you staring at me? Right. Uh, anyways, oh, yeah. I di- I digress. But we, we, a lot of times we let those things be barriers to us doing stuff. Right. So like right now I'm, I'm training for a bodybuilding competition in November and, you know, nice, of course nice. we, we know that COVID-19 is going on. Right. And this is my first bodybuilding competition and yeah, man, I could be eating the Oreos, right? Uh, but yeah. but uh, if Tania Wilson or uh, Darren Jones listens to this, I'm not eating Oreos, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I could be letting whatever circumstances stop me from that goal, right? You know, but, oh, yeah. but I don't um, because you, you, you have to understand that's a bigger purpose because to be honest, George, I'm an extremely busy guy. Like I, my wife probably gets me an hour a day honestly like maybe two <laughs> hours that's as much time as she gets with me unless we budget something in uh because i'm yeah. doing all this other stuff right I'm, I'm helping all these other people and so with that being said totally forgot where i was going with that but that was going to be something good man i, I literally just forgot <laughs> where i was going with that um that What'd being you said uh, you, you're uh, you know, working yeah, all the time yeah 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 so i think where i was going with that is there's a lot of ways we can make excuses, right? I could be like, I'm working so much. I can't do the workouts. I can't, you know, I can't train for this thing. I can't, all oh, these people over here bother me. All oh, this person said I suck or whatever. But the reality is there's, there's a bigger impact that you're having as part of your purpose or, you know, as we might call it our destiny. And so you just have to sort of stay laser focused. And, and I, I, for people in the industry, I would explain it this way. It's a VPN right? Like you need to form a VPN around yourself and put all that encryption around yourself. And so that way you stay laser focused. So all those haters, they can't really get in. Right. So when you focus it like that and you pretend that you're, you've got a VPN connection to your destiny, then those yeah. people can never really steer you off course. If that makes oh, sense. Oh, that's a
0: nice analogy. <laughs> I, you know, I said, nice you know,
1: just based off the audience, I just had to throw it in there. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Ken, can- and and you talk about growing up in adversity. It I did as well coming from, you know, few opportunities. And um and I went to the military and the military kind of did a lot of great things for me. It built confidence for me. It provided uh, you know, financial stability. Yep. Um but my show was based on, you know, getting into the cybersecurity world. It's a lucrative industry, it's about giving back as well, but it's a lucrative industry okay. and um and I stress the importance of building your brand some everybody might not feel that way uh but I, I stress the importance of building your brand and being able to pursue business ventures that make sense to you um how do you how do you feel about that as far as developing a business mentality and and building prosperity in yep. in yep. the cybersecurity industry
1: one 100 percent for that you, you if, if you think that you don't need to build your own, uh, at least secondary income stream at a minimum, you're, you're mistaken because a lot of people get laid off, etc. Uh, and many people in America are like 400 bucks away from poverty, right? They, they don't, yeah. they live paycheck to paycheck. They're trying to show off their new boat to the neighbors. And so. I think it's fiscally responsible for anyone in the industry to have a a business mindset. Now, that doesn't mean you have to start your own business, but you need to basically take what's yours, right? You need to have that more aggressive mindset. So in, in the military, in the special operations community, you know, the the kind of, quote, unquote, the bad guys out there, bad guys and gals, because, you know, there's, there's criminals that are, you know, and bad people in the world that are, are female as well, but they're the wolves, right? And there's, there's a sheepdog, right? And and the sheepdog's aggressive and stuff like the wolf, but they've got a measure of good to them because we're doing it for a good purpose. Right. And so, so that's the, you need to have that sheepdog mentality for anything you're doing in the industry as far as your job and stuff. So let's say, for example, George said, I go to, I go try to negotiate a salary and I want to get 200 K a year base, but it's just not in their budget to do that. And say, I, so I, what I say is, I say, okay, you know, let's talk about stock then instead, right? Or let's talk about an extra week of vacation a year. So just because you're told no in a negotiation and in an interview on uh, salary, doesn't mean that you can't try to throw something else in there because a lot of times if it's especially if it's a smaller company they'll work with you on maybe some extra vacation time or you can work from home on fridays or i mean right now we're all working from home but you work from home on fridays and stuff you just have to go in with that mentality of like i deserve this this is mine right um and kind of talking about the the actual business side of things so i always I think that every single person in the industry, even if you're trying to get into the industry, because you're still learning things, um, I think every single person in the industry needs to monetize their knowledge. So whether that's a podcast and and you set it up to like, you know, you put your podcast through Red Circle where you can take tips and stuff from people and they, they can tip you if they like you or whatever, or you set it up on YouTube where they can do the patreon and you know or you create online courses or you sell a book or like there's just some way you need to monetize your knowledge because number one there's there's someone out there that can only learn from you and if you're not getting your knowledge out there and you're not speaking to them then they're never going to learn it right Um, and and i had to learn that right i like there's some people that are like i couldn't never learn this thing until i took your course right and so we all have that we all have that gift internally and there's someone out there waiting for us to actually share that gift with them um but i think when you when you start creating your own revenue streams and and i always say put them on like create them online so it's pa- relatively passive right there's nothing 100% passive because you have to work at it right but relatively passive income streams you know like selling a book or whatever you still have to do marketing stuff to sell a book so that's why i say it's not a passive income stream but putting that stuff online allows you to to make money while you sleep. I'll never forget George. The first time I, I had an online course that actually sold, it was only like 16 bucks is all I made, but yeah, we were, we were out at dinner and you know, I, it seemed that when we got back, I was like, Oh shoot. made you know, It's <laughs> yeah. nice. Right. And I was, oh, yeah. you know, so it's, it's, <laughs> it's not that you're being selfish. Right. So like if you're out there and you're like, well, that's kind of selfish. I don't want to charge money for stuff. No. Number one, people don't finish stuff if it's free for the most part. If you charge people, then they'll take it seriously and they'll finish it. Um, exactly. Yeah. So let, let's just, you know, for example, you you go like into a mall. This is, I haven't been to a mall in years. seeing so might date myself, but you go into the <laughs> mall and like, you go by the little like Chinese restaurant or whatever, and they're offering free samples. How many times have you ate their free sample and actually bought from them? Mm. Right, Like, like nobody really does. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> But if you go to like a nice steakhouse and you're paying like a hundred bucks for that plate of food, like pretty much everyone's going to eat all that steak and the potatoes. Oh yeah, you're going to get the best out of that plate, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly, right? Same thing, you know, so there's nothing wrong with charging people. People are used to that. People are willing to spend money. There's always a buyer and a seller, like right now, right? If you had toilet paper and you sold it, you'd be making some money, right? But there's always a buyer and seller in every single market. So... You have to get over that fact of it because I was this way when I first started I want to give everything for free. You have to get over that aspect of it. You need to understand that you're doing this for a few reasons, right? You're charging people because, number one, it's going to benefit them because they're going to take it more serious and they're actually going to finish it. And then they're going it's going to have a real impact on their lives. And number two, you're being fiscally responsible for yourself and your family or your loved ones because... Broke people can't help anyone, right? I mean, that's just reality. You cannot help any- it. I was broke. I'm telling you, you can't really help anybody when you're broke. But when you have money, oh, yeah. you can step in, right? So, like, as an example with what's going on, because we have money, we were able to buy groceries for people, right, that that didn't have the money for their own groceries, nice. right? Nice. Yeah. Couldn't do that when I was broke. I would have been yeah. the person, like, begging for food, right? So, that's just it's just stupid for someone to think that you don't need money. You don't need to be fiscally responsible to be able to have an impact. That's just dumb. Anyone that tells you that is a moron and they're just trying to get you to buy their book or their course or whatever. Right? It's, just, it's just honestly. Right. And, and that's what I had actually just kind of sidebar real quick with all this stuff going on with coronavirus. I did a post, uh, I think a week or two ago, cause I just got so tired, man. Like people were posting an old person in the toilet paper aisle with a sad look on their face. And then they were, they were like, you know, for a limited time, my course, you know, my, my coaching program, oh, I'm, no, like, I'm no, like, come no. on. Like I called them on. out, like, come on now. What, like, what are you actually doing? Right? Like, this is what we're doing. We're, you know, we're getting groceries. We're helping out in the community in our local area. What are you doing? Right. And yeah. so,
0: yeah, real impact.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Right. And so part of all that, right. Is to, to say all that is that, you need to be fiscally responsible and because honestly, George, you're a better practitioner when you don't have to worry about money all the time. This is just real talk, right? It is, and it's not just for, <laughs> <"Preach> it! um, <laughs> it, it's, it's, and it's not just the infosec industry, right. Or cybersecurity. And cause that sound, people like that term, I guess nowadays, but so it's just so, not yeah. the infosec That's industry. The cool yeah. No, right. We're cool kids. If we say cybersecurity, um, <laughs> I don't know who knows, but, um, it's not just this this industry, though, right? Like any industry, even back when I worked as a nurse, the nurses that that were fiscally responsible were better practitioners because they didn't have to stress about money all the time. That's just the reality of it, right? When you when you can set yourself up to not have to worry about money all the time, I tell you what, George, one of the best feelings ever is when you forget when payday is, and you're like, oh shoot, that's I just, a great, I year. Just got, got some money coming in. That's great. Uh, that that's where you want. That's what you want to strive for, where you set yourself up financially. And you don't have to make a million dollars to do it. Some people think that you you have to make millions to to do all this. I know people, George, that have a good amount of stocks and everything, and and a good portfolio, and they make thirty yeah. grand a year, right? And they're yeah. not in this industry, right? They're just working kind of a menial office job, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and and not dissing them with that, but just because it's kind of like a regular pushing papers type of job. But they were fiscally responsible. Yes, it takes sacrifice, you know. But but honestly if you want long-term wealth is what we call it, right? Cause there's a lot of rich people, but they're literally in debt. They're living paycheck to paycheck, but yeah, they make, you know, six figures or multi six figures, but they're broke all the time. Yeah. But if you want real wealth, you're going to have to learn that you need to sacrifice to some extent today for a better tomorrow. So like, like, for example, I'll just, I'll just give some real, real life examples here. Um, I used to eat out, like all the time, like before Chipotle had all the scandals, like I was, I was a diehard Chipotle fan, um, you know, totally before they, they yep. were killing people with tomatoes and stuff. Uh, <laughs> so, so, you know, but that costs money, right. You know, you eating all, all the time, stuff like that, you know, so, so I started making my own stuff, um. And so it's just think, little things like that, right? Like I have a, a addiction to books and so I buy a lot of books. I don't like audiobooks a lot. So I, I buy a lot. I've got it. And as I'm saying this, George, I'm looking at my, I'm and like, I've got, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I got a lot of books here. I need to get rid of some again, but, um. But that's kind of my vice. Right. So I, I have certain vices and I know that like no matter what, I'm still going to buy a freaking book. Right. So so I figure out where can I sacrifice things. Right. And that's yeah. what you need to do if you're listening to this. and You're like, well, my finances aren't the best right now. That's cool. We all start someplace. So the, there's a couple of things that I would put out there for your audiences, like basic things um, and and do these things because you're going to recognize that once you do them and you continuously do them your finances will get better. It's like a weird shift, right? So, so number one thing is you've heard it before, save 10%. Now, when I first started out, like I just, there's just no way I could actually afford to save 10%. So what I recommend people do is take a certain amount that you can do out of each paycheck. So maybe that's $20. And then what you want to do is take that $20 in ones And you're going to take 10% of that, right? You know, which is two bucks. And just put that in a special jar or, you know, a special box or or whatever, right? Just set it someplace special. And so every single paycheck, you're you're sending $2 in that spot because that's 10% of that 20, right? After you've done that a few times, try to raise that number you're taking out of your check to maybe like $30, right? So now you're sending away $3, you know, and just kind of as you go through. And again, this allows you to still pay your bills and all that stuff, right? But you're getting in the habit of saving that money at some point you eventually want to get into that 10% of your, of your gross income uh, just because that actually works in the ether energy a little better, but, but it, yeah. it's starting off, you know, do what you can. And once you build that habit, then grow on that habit. Um, the other thing is kind of what I mentioned with the books and stuff. I, I knew there were certain things that I was, was uh, set in stone that I wasn't giving up. Uh, and so, That's what you also need to figure out is like what are the things that you really, really enjoy? Like I enjoy reading, so that's why I buy a lot of books. Um, So what are the things you really enjoy? And then what are the things that you could give up like if if you had a choice between paying rent and doing this thing? Like, what couldn't you give up? And obviously I I wouldn't like buy a book if I had to, you know, pay my mortgage or something, you know, but, but yes, you get the idea. Yep. Like it, it, what is something that you can give up? And those are the things you can give up. So for most people it's eating out, right? Like maybe you can buy a book or watch a, some videos on YouTube on how to make some fast recipes and plan out your meal. So maybe you take every Sunday and plan your meals for the week or something. So just little things like that, like eating out is actually one of the biggest things Americans spend their money on. Uh, and so yeah. that, if you cut that out, you're actually going to notice you're probably going to have at least a few hundred bucks a month, um, in, coming, coming back in. So with all that being said though, George, when you make a shift anywhere in your life, whether it's learning new things, shifting your finances, et cetera, when you're trying to do that, you're going to have, um, people in your life you are going to have to cut out or, or that are going to be haters on you. Uh, so for example, uh, many years ago when I, uh, when I stopped partying and I gave up drinking, um i had a lot of people that you know were oh we're best friends or whatever and then like you know it was kind of like the friendships over oh, right? yeah because kind it's like oh away. you're not yeah exactly right you're not hanging with us no more oh uh, you know and and you just have to learn like okay well that's great but like i want to do this life now right so there's going to be people you have to cut out it might be people close to you so just be prepared for that if, if you're one of those people that is has a tough time cutting people out like i'll just say with george from the military that made it a lot easier to, to, um, kind of flip the switch, so to speak, and and quickly cut people out and not, and not care about it. Um, just because, you know, you deal with some things, you deal with, you know, loss, loss of life, and, and you learn, um, that, okay, well, I can't change what happened. So obviously this person is gone because they're dead. Um, and so you, you kind of get that skill set there, so to speak. Uh, so for those out there that don't no, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You just kind of learn, like, all right, well, I can't change what happened. I just, I have to move on, you know? Um, and, and so similar thing here, you know, hopefully those people that, that you're cutting out don't, don't die, but, um, you know, you, you have to, still have to cut those people out because you're going to notice you're going to get a lot of people that oh, yeah. will, will be different once you try to change your life. And And part of that's jealousy, right? They're jealous that you're able to make that shift to get your finances better, right? Or yeah. that you're learning new things, you're changing jobs, whatever the case might be. So, just for your audience out there, be prepared that you're going to get some haters when you make a shift like that.
0: Great advice, Ken. Uh, and I, and we're a lot alike in those ways, like taking out negative people, negative energy, uh, making sacrifices. Like um, I have a lot of physical books myself, and I have, I actually loved uh, – the audio books, like listening to them on the way to work. Like you Mm -hmm. said, I'll I'll sacrifice some things that I like to splurge on for an educational book, because in my mind, the knowledge is an investment. I'm seeing the future of where that could get me. Like, instead of buying a CD, I'm buying that audio book that's going to increase my knowledge and increase my wealth. Uh, Ken, absolutely thank you for being on the show today. You actually that was that was perfect the cyber security side um you definitely gave us a, not, a lot of knowledge on the business side and the just the total the total portfolio of getting to where you need to be the long term game uh it's a marathon not a sprint so yep uh ken can you uh give us some um your social media on where to reach you
1: <laughs> I thought you were asking for my social. I was like, oh look at George getting me. Uh nice ah, find social media. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was I'm, gonna switch it on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, I'm supposed to get your social for uh, yeah, yeah. So isn't it 00000000? Zero, 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 zero? Is that, that? Okay. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay, perfect, perfect. <laughs> Um uh so so social media, I'm I'm more active on LinkedIn, uh, so just search for Ken Underhill and I've got C E H C H F I my title, so you'll find me. Um, normally, if you search for Ken Underhill, that'll that'll pull up uh, or if you're connected to George, just look in his uh, his connection list and you should find me. Um, I do have a Twitter. It's uh, Cyber Ken, I think, is the handle. I, I'm not as active on Twitter. I recently got it because people just kept pestering me <laughs> for, for years, you for need several Twitter years. Twitter. Now, well, like,
0: where's your Twitter at? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah so i finally yeah yes. exactly so I, I finally got one um and that's really the social media i don't get uh I, you know, i'm not a tick or i'm not an instagram i'm not um for me i like linkedin is convenient for me and that's why i use it twitter it's okay but that's why i'm not really on it a whole lot um other social media i don't need to upload pictures of me working out of the gym right like i've got a yeah. private page that i have that for people that want to track my bodybuilding um journey that's i've given them access to that or whatever so like some social media like for me if if mike because i i have my own businesses and so if my customers aren't on that social media i basically don't use it right like i why would i waste my time on there um yeah do that stuff so most of my people are on linkedin so that's that's kind of where i'm at so so short story there is i'm on linkedin and i'm on twitter a little bit
0: gotcha hey ken i thank you for being on the show today
1: Absolutely, my my pleasure. I just want to touch real quick. George mentioned a CD for the for those uh, like millennials out there that don't know what that is. Uh, we used to have to like put this physical disc in our car to listen to stuff. Um, do you remember? Oh wow, uh, I forget tape, about tape, stuff tape, tape, like that. Yeah, yeah, no, right? Everyone's like, my iPhone. Uh, <laughs> so I just want to explain <laughs> that for those out there. That's it's an, you should you'll see them in museums, uh, and so that's, that's 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 what that is. You remember, uh, out, you remember the kid. Remember yeah. You remember the tapes too. Remember you had, you had to rewind it. You know. Oh then, yeah, I remember then, all that.
0: Remember, remember a tracks. Oh, I'm, good. Oh, you they definitely, you definitely don't know that one. Yeah, uh, yeah don't know I, that, did. I, know. I did. I <laughs> did.
1: <laughs> cool, man. Yeah, like I uh, really appreciate you having me on, man. had a Had a blast. Uh, happy to come on anytime.
0: All right, thank you, Ken.
1: Thanks, man.
0: If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. Be sure to subscribe to and share the Black Cyber Podcast.